Hey y'all, welcome to Cross Politic. Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, I'm the Water Boy, and we got the Pope of our denomination. Whoa, Virgil. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Pastor Virgil Hurt is in the studio with us. I got my hat. Dave's <laughs> got one for you, don't worry. Make sure you guys stick around for the second segment. We got Blaine Gazzotti uh, coming on also. It should be fun. And folks, we actually have kind of a spring tour coming up. We're oh. going to be doing one night shows in a couple, three cities, four cities. In the spring, four? maybe at least three. Four. I said Whoa. three so far. Whoa. This is how I work, Pastor Toby. I said, let's just do three, and then I'm like, hey guys, I got a fourth. He announces it on the show. Yeah, that's what that I we're do. Doing four. We're going to be in <laughs> Dallas Fort Worth, a live show on March 16th. We got Pastor Wilson, Dr. Peter McCullough coming wait, wait, on that show. Wait, wait. Who's Tripology? Pastor Wilson and Dr. Peter McCullough. Like Peter McCullough of like Joe Rogan. Joe fans? Rogan. He's going to be he's gonna live with Gold. us. Hallelujah. Good. Hallelujah. <laughs> Those shows are going to be recorded live, and we'll have a live audience there. Tickets will be on sale um, soon, but just mark the date, mark, March 16th. Mm, We're going to be in Rapid City on uh, April 7th. Back to, back to Rapid City. Back to Rapid City. We're going to be doing a God and Government kind of seminar that day, workshop that day. <laughs> They're going to let us back. Huh? And, and then a live show that night. Mark your calendars there. Special guest and, to be announced. And then we're going to be in Phoenix uh, sometime in May. <laughs> that was really helpful. Is that good? We're, co- we're coming to Phoenix. Okay. Happy birthday, Biden administration. Mm. You know why why it's happy birthday? No. One year. Is this one year? Yeah. See, Toby? Oh. No. You, you aren't. That's not. why it's so infantile. He celebrated <laughs> his first senile, you meant. His first year with a 34% approval rating. Sky high inflation and a press conference this past week is kind of part of this two hour nap almost. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dripology. Celebration. He said that he would, uh, in the press conference, he said he would not worry so much if Russia had a minor incursion with Ukraine. A minor incursion. Yeah. Like, huh. Like a minor. Did he, did he misspeak? I don't think so. I think he said the quiet thing out loud. You know, sort of like a minor abortion. Oh. Maybe. Uh, oh. President Zelensky Ouch. clapped back on Twitter and said this. We want to remind the great powers that there are no minor incursions on and small nations. Right. He That's the president of Ukraine. He ain't, he ain't wrong president about that. Zelensky. That's right. Russia-Ukrainian politics. Remember this. There's so much geopolitical stuff going on here. It's important to remember how loaded the geopolitical scene is here. Russia collusion. Fake dossier files. You remember, oh, you know, FISA yeah, courts. Yeah. Right. Uh, oh, my goodness. The comprised FBI. Also, the compromised. The, the compromised. Yeah, the comprised. <laughs> yeah. I was like, the comprised? What do you yeah. comprise with FBI? The call with President Trump that he, uh, with President of Ukraine, where he got he got impeached for that. Right. Yeah. And right. it was over quid pro quo right. stuff. Hunter Biden raked in millions uh, serving on a board in Ukraine on a utility board, oh, wow. uh, while Joe Biden openly admitted quid pro quo on live stage. You remember that? Right. Son of a gun. Yeah, he said son of a... Mm. He did it. Don't forget Crimea. You know, that was a small incursion under uh, President Obama's presidency and, oh. and more. Now, this minor incursion, this is... It's not a gaffe. I don't know what... I mean, is that, we can't really call it that, but it forced Jen Psaki, right... That's the press. Press. I can't. Pasaki. That's, that's how I say Saki. it. Pasaki to issue a, really a non-statement about what president meant to say. It, it, she said this: President Biden has been clear with Rush with the Russian president. If any Russian military forces move across the Ukrainian border, that's a renewed invasion, and it will be met with a swift, severe, and united response from the United States and our allies. Um, you know, I don't really think Biden uh, or Vladimir really respects um, Putin. Uh, Biden. I don't think there's I don't I don't think that stance really. Yeah, there's so much going on there. Frightens I, her. I don't even I don't yeah. even know what's going on. Yeah, I mean it's just like, but it's like every five minutes there's something new coming out of this Russia Ukraine thing, and and it's there's all kinds of corruption, all kinds of politics, and it's and it and it keeps like bleeding into um you know America, States, yeah. American politics. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't know what's going. It's like water polo game. There's a whole lot of stuff going on under under, under the water. The water. Well, I, I can't help but think though. Like to me, if it seems like the Democratic Party is in collusion with Russia, that's what it kind of seems like. I mean, they're the ones who push the dossier files. Right. 
They're the ones who used Russia against Trump. Right. Um, and then now. You're just starting other conspiracy yeah. theories. And I'm watching Pastor Hurt over here shake his head with you like, yes. <laughs> you agree with that, Pastor? <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's lots of conspiracies. And most of them are true. <laughs> oh. It's starting to be that way in I was, it's starting to look that way, I was telling it? the guys um, that, you know, the CREC, the denomination that you're, you're leading the currently. Um, I said leading currently. Um, the uh, we have churches, international churches, and we have churches in Ukraine and Russia, Poland, um, and so on. And I was I was telling the guys earlier this week that we really ought to connect with some of those pastors. I'd love to talk with you know Pastor Bubu in Poland, yeah, I want to talk to or Pastor Sansanich in Ukraine, or um, one of these. You know, some of these guys see what at least what the boots on the ground. Um, you know, their take is it's as not pastors. a small incursion for them, right? No, right. no, well, no. Okay, I'll, okay. T- Okay, first let me say this. This has been the weirdest presidency I've ever seen. I have not, and I think Jason Whitlock really pointed this out. I've never seen a president and the vice president together so much making speeches. I've never seen, well, we got to make sure we have the vice president out here. And she speaks first, (laughs) and then the president speaks. And this is kind of, I've never Uh, seen that. And so it's kind of like this baby. And and I've never seen so much of the White House making corrections for the president. What he meant to say was, what's been really clear that the president said has been... Trump had said, "Russia, if Russia makes a minor incursion, it won't be that big of a deal." Trump's head would be on a pot. He would be lit. Here's, here's what I want to see: think. collusion. <laughs> I, I want to say this too. I want to say that at least we know what he meant, right? We know what he meant. He wasn't talking about a small incursion, even though it might be what how it came out. He actually meant to say that, hey, Russia, don't go into the. Now, I guess Russia <laughs> would have to figure this out from hearing Saki talk know. about I it. I know. I don't know. <laughs> but it's being it's being it's corrected. Sort of like interpretation in tongues. Well, he, well, he could ah. be doing he could be doing what Mitch McConnell was doing, which is. It's Mitch McConnell saying the quiet parts out loud like Biden. This was, this was a little, a little cringe. A message for voters of color who are concerned that without the John L. Lewis Voting Rights Act, they're not going to be able to vote in the midterm. Well, the concern is misplaced because if you look at the statistics, African-American voters are voting in just as high a percentage as Americans. What? Recent survey, uh, 94% of Americans thought it was easy to vote. Uh, this is not... A problem. Turnout is up, biggest turnout since 1900. Um, it's, it's simply they're being sold a, a, a bill of goods to support a democratic effort to federalize elections. As Senator Blunt pointed out, this goes back 20 years. The excuses change from time to time, but this has been a Democratic Party goal for decades. Now, the part that's getting all the attention is African-Americans have the same voting right as Americans. As Americans. All right. Yeah. Now, let me put this in some context. African-Americans aren't Americans? Uh, uh, yeah. Let's just put this in some context yeah. real quick. The Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act would have expanded voting access. And that's what they're just at the end of. They didn't actually get a chance. Maybe. Well. Maybe. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, it would have made Election Day a national holiday and basically would have nationalized our voting system, which, in case you don't know, is completely in conflict wait, wait, wait. with the Hold Constitution, on. which you should always have in your pocket like Pastor Toby. I think, I think every pastor should have the Constitution in their pocket at all times, <laughs> just in case. Hey, this is Article 1, Section 4. The times and places and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. Oh. Now, it does go on to say Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations except to the place of choosing senators. But there's a few key things there. One is it only applies to um, national senators and representatives, Mm. U.S. senators and representatives. Congress can alter those laws. But it still says very clearly that the times, places, and manner of holding elections for them is prescribed by each state, by the legislature thereof, not by the federal government. Wow. What's the crazy part about this is that the the threat of nationalizing elections isn't what seems to be getting all the attention right now. Right. What seems to be getting all the attention is the false representation of what Mitch McConnell said is all the rage. Right. Um, See, he's racist. Yeah. Dog whistle. Mitch McConnell doesn't think African Americans are Americans. Just stop it. He misspoke. Yeah. And you'll misspeak one day. (laughs) We all are going to misspeak one day. Gabe knows this. And and at that point, you're going to want somebody to understand what you meant and not how bad you botched it. The real story is that black people do have a legitimate fear of losing voting rights. Why? Because it wasn't too long ago that they just got them in this generation. That's right. So it makes sense. 
why they're sensitive about this, especially in this area. And I can see why black people truly are afraid. Their voting rights were just taken away from them. It wasn't too long ago that they didn't have them. And so it makes sense. But this is absolutely shameful that Democrats would use a fear like this that's that's deep in the heart of black folks to nationalize elections. I can't think of what would actually be worse for minorities and black people than a nationalized election. A national police force. Right. Okay. No, 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 yeah, no, no, that's shots fired. <laughs> but this, this lines up perfectly, though, with the, the liberal religion. So the liberal religion, though, is, is that you have to have a centralized state to save the world. That, that's, yeah. that's where your salvation comes from. Because Jesus is not Lord, because there's not a God in heaven, right. that you, you need this centralized power that will try to hold everything together right. Right. and save the world. Right. And, and yeah, so, that's right. And, that's and, Machiavellian, too. And, yeah. so, and so you need this. And so when you have these smaller powers, um, it's um, a threat. It's a threat because these smaller powers are, are, are a threat to the unity of the whole. Right. And so they, that's why there's this central centralization, creeping centralization um, motif. Um, McConnell even mentions that. There's been for decades they've been trying to federalize the elections. But, the, but, I mean, we don't have a good track record here because we went back, I mean, go back to the war between the states. And, and, exactly. and following that, it's like our only solution is to get the central government to force something through. And then even after the war between the states, you have 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, the Civil Rights Amendments, and it's the federal government forcing states yeah. uh, to do things to make it happen. And so that's the salvation. That's our sal- that American for that's a right. long time has been saying, if the federal government doesn't do it, yeah. it's not yeah, going to get done right. Done. Yeah. It, um, Pastor Hurd, I'm going to give you the last word on this before we move on, but I want to say this real quick. The b- thing that's bothered me, especially with my folks, my people, black people, we cannot have selective memory on this. Mm-hmm. We cannot have selective memory where we can remember the fact that, hey, we just got our voting rights in the last generation. We need to remember, too, the last time that things like this were nationalized, like, I don't know, the Fugitive Slave Act that stopped black people who were running away from bad slave masters, right, yeah. right running away to a free state, nationalized the right for um Bounty hunters to come to those states now and take black people right. back yeah. to their masters. Right, yeah. And then what was their recourse on a local level? They had none. Right. Nothing. It was all nationalized. So we should have, look, have, don't have selective memory, have full memories and say, wait a second. Uh, yeah, I want to make sure I maintain my voting rights, but I don't want the federal government to nationalize that process. Right. Your appeal is difficult. Now, uh, absolutely. Now you, you, you don't know, have all one. All the way to Washington, D.C. There's no Local problem. people can oppress you, but at least you know their name. Exactly. Right. Right. You have to live with them. Pastor? Yeah. Well, I think that it's part of a push that's, it's not just about the elections, but the whole idea of the elite or the technocracy, the, the experts that have to run everything. Mm. And that's always, that's always a disaster. And uh, so, and it's a fundamental thing. I think it's one of the biggest issues we have right now, because if right. we don't have actually free and real elections, then we don't have a republic. Right. So it, that's that's a great danger to the whole stability of our country at this point. Yeah. Gabe, you it, don't get the last word. Okay, all right, go tell <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bring it in. I'll bring it, I'll bring it around because you guys missed a big point there. <laughs> okay, well, thanks, Gabe. Save it for the next <laughs> UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson's job is on the line after apologizing for partying during the COVID lockdowns. Mr. Speaker, I want to apologize. I know that millions of people across this country have made extraordinary sacrifices over the last 18 months. I know the anguish that they have been through, unable to mourn their relatives, unable to live their lives as they want or to do the things they love. Number 10 is a big department with the garden as as an extension of the office, which has been in constant use because of the role of fresh air in stopping the virus. And when I went into that garden just after six on the 20th of May 2020 to thank groups of staff before going back into my office 25 minutes later to continue working, I believed implicitly that this was a work event. (laughs) But Mr Speaker, with hindsight, I should have sent everyone back inside. I should have found some other way to thank them. And I should have recognised that even if it could be said technically to fall within the guidance, there would be millions and millions of people who simply would not see it that way. 
Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. I wish our house was like that. Well, you, you know, our Senate. It is so much fun watching the yeah. British Parliament work when they're yeah. yelling at each other like this and, and jumping up and down and, 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 and booing and cheering. It's, it's like a soccer game in there. It's like, it's like yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty hilarious. Um, did you catch that? He, that was the lamest apology I think I've ever yeah. heard. I yeah. thought it was a work. I thought it was a work meeting. <laughs> There's all these people partying in the garden, drinking and stuff, and he says, "I thought it was a work." It was meeting. 25 minutes. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. This is during lockdowns when I think you could only see like one or two other people outside of your household. Yeah. In 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 yeah. Britain, um, it's and it's, this the same week he was partying in. This is what May 2020, I yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, the Queen's uh, husband had died. Right. And they couldn't have a public funeral, and right. so she, she couldn't yeah. really have a funeral with him that same week. Yeah. He apologized to the queen in, in the same apology <laughs> statement. Yeah. Of course, the opposition leader, Sir Keir Starmer, ripped into him, like literally, like a couple minutes after this. <laughs> and then right on schedule, photos leaked of Starmer partying during lockdowns last May. Look at it. Look at it. This, look at it. There this we go. image was captured in May 2021 showing Sir Keir holding a beer while visiting a labor constituency office in Durham. England was in step two of Mr. Johnson's lockdown exit roadmap at the time, which stated that indoor mixing between households was not allowed unless it was for work. I guess he thought it was a work it's meeting. It's a work meeting. Clearly working. Oh. <laughs> With increasing calls for his resignation, Johnson sent up his Hail Mary this last week by announcing the end of all vaccine passports, mask mandates, and lockdown measures. <laughs> return to Plan A in England and there. allow Plan B regulations to expire. As a result, from the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. Organisations can, of course, choose to use the NHS COVID pass voluntarily, but we will end the compulsory use of COVID status certification in England. From now on, the government is no longer asking people to work from home. And people should now speak to their employers about arrangements for returning to the office. And having looked at the data carefully, the Cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. (laughs) Mr Speaker... <laughs> They're all laughing. And they still got their masks on though. Yeah. Mr. Speaker, from, from tomorrow, from tomorrow we will no longer require oh, tomorrow. face masks in classrooms. <laughs> and the department and the Department for Education will shortly remove national guidance uh, on their use in communal areas. In the country at large, we will continue to suggest the use of face coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces particularly when you come into contact with people you don't normally meet, but we will trust the judgment oh. of the British people. Oh. Oh. No longer criminalise anyone who chooses not to wear one. Wow. The government will also ease restrictions further on visits to care homes. And my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, will set out plans in the coming days. Yeah. Mr Speaker, yeah. as we return to Plan A, the House will know that some measures still remain, Including, <laughs> you know, okay, pass it. Okay, I just gotta say this real quick. Okay, it's amazing. He's been on the floor talking without a mask on. Yeah. Now I don't know how long these sessions last, but if he was outside of the work meeting without a mask on, could, and he's here on the floor, yeah. it, just, mm, okay. yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't spread <laughs> when when you're standing when you're on the in floor, a microphone. You got- no, it doesn't. Uh, there were a couple of things in there. I mean, first of all, he, so this is a hail mary. His yeah. job is on the right. line, and, I, and clearly he's trying to buy off uh, England. Yeah, the UK. He's um, trying to keep his PM job. This is, yeah. you know, this is bread and circuses. You know, for you know, trying yeah. to keep him happy, and maybe yeah. he can get his job. He can keep his job, which doesn't seem likely. You done messed up, A.A. Ron. Yeah, he did. <laughs> He did. And, uh, you, don't, you don't think they really just started looking at the data? Well, that's the, that was my second thing, <laughs> yeah. Virgil. Was the, exactly. He says, we've examined the data carefully uh-huh. and decided from now on we don't have to have mask mandates. Okay. So that's how it's going to be. Y'all want to play. <laughs> Y'all want to play. They playing. What data? What yeah. data? Yeah. What, I thought that data, I mean, is that data allowed on YouTube? <laughs> is that data allowed on Facebook or Twitter? Is that data? <laughs> What data? Well, we've been manipulated this whole two-year oh pandemic with data, goodness. so it's ridiculous. Oh my goodness! Um, you know, one of the takeaways here is, I mean, just I mean, this has been manifest through this whole thing. But when you reject God's law, everyone's a hypocrite. Yeah. 
when you reject God's law, everyone's a hypocrite. Everyone's guilty. And then everything just becomes manipulation. It's just buying off and, and you're just, it's just horse trading. When you don't have God's law, um, everyone's a hypocrite. Everything's manipulation. Um, the, 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 the yoke of man is heavy. Yeah. But the yoke of Christ is light. Um, the law of God sets people free. And don't forget um, that the law of God includes how to deal with your sin. That's Amen. right. I mean, that's part of the law of God. Remember, Leviticus is yeah. part of the law of God. It's like, you're a sinner, you need blood. Right. And, of course, that's been fulfilled in Jesus. So when we say law of God, I mean, I mean the Ten Commandments, and I also mean what to do when you break the Ten Commandments. Right. That's all part of the law of God. He knows we're fallen human beings. He knows that we're fallen sinners. We need grace. We need forgiveness. He's provided a way of escape. But, but if you don't have the blood of Jesus, if you don't have the law of God, the, the light yoke of Christ, then you have the heavy yoke of man, and there's no way out of your sin. Everybody's guilty. Everybody's ashamed. And that's all manipulation. I mean, that's what's going on in high relief in, in British Parliament right now with Boris Johnson. I, I do wonder, um, you know, what, I mean, practically, what do the, the end of lockdowns in, in, in uh, the UK mean for the world? Yeah. Um, this is it kinda, does put some pressure on some things. It's kind of radical. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about this because they left the EO. Uh, the, EU, 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 yeah. They also and, left the Eastern Orthodox Church. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm praying for that. My prayers came out. I, I said the thing in my head. Um, but so I'm. I was thinking that it'd be a great time for all everybody around them to isolate them because they don't. Again, we remember we talked to Peter Hitchens about this. Mm. Um, they're 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 in atrophy right now. Mm, they yeah. they can't make their own goods. They're depending on everybody else around them. This would be a great time for the European Union to like, oh yeah, put the put the pinch put the on. Put we, the pinch anybody on, yeah. from there, yeah. you come here on no vaccine. Can't right. come here, on, and and we're not going to do business with people who are there because you guys are all yeah. dirty and unclean. And so Good. I wouldn't be surprised Good. if it went the other way Maybe. because people want – politics does that. It doesn't say, oh, this makes sense. Let's all open up. Right. No, no. How can we dig the knife in a little deeper? Again, because it's all about manipulation. It's manipulation. It's, there, there's, yeah. it's no freedom. It's not grace. It's not it's clean right. slates and just and it's honest dealing. It's all about manipulating facts, manipulating goods, manipulating services yeah, to get exactly. people to do what you want. And so I wouldn't be surprised if it got harder for them just because, hey, if you get them to yeah. die for a little more, what kind of deals can you really make at the end of the to day? Watch and see. Absolutely. Accountable to you is a, a digital uh, service that helps you while you're using your smartphone or computer. It opens the door. Um, it, it helps you when temptation is coming. In a world saturated with pornography and other harmful content, what are you supposed to do? We need to take a proactive approach, welcoming transparency in our digital media choices. Accountable to you, that's the number two, you, makes that easy. Their accountability software shares detailed activity reports from all your devices and your kids' devices in real time to the accountability partners that you choose. With accountability in place, your family can effectively guard against temptations online and live with purity and integrity. Learn more and try it free at accountable to you. Again, the word accountable, the number two, the word you.com forward slash FLF. Coming up third segment with Pastor Hurt, the State of the Union of the CREC. We're going to talk about that. He's going to give us an update what's going on there. But first, Blaine Kanzati with Idaho Family Policy Center. There we go. See, I had half of it. IFPC. Coming up next on Cross Politics. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations. Our most precious commodity is time. No one has ever lied on their deathbed wishing they had spent more time making money. They all wish they had spent more time creating a legacy. Our modern education system steals that legacy, steals that time from our children. That's why I'm passionate about homeschooling. That's why at Classical Conversations we want to give you more time to create that legacy, follow your passions, and glorify God. Visit classicalconversations.com for more information. It's weird. I think America needs to follow Boris Johnson. You know, <laughs> especially with that hair. <laughs> Get rid of all the regulations. Welcome back to Cross Politic on the one and only Fight Laugh Feast Network. Not so long ago, the American dream was alive and well. Mm. Employees who worked hard were rewarded, and employers looked for people who could get this do the job. <gasps> Pretty basic. Not for people who have the right political views. Redballoon.work is work. a job site designed to get us back to what American businesses made American businesses successful. Free speech, 
hard work, and having fun. Yeah! <laughs> Sorry, I just... Parliament. <laughs> if you're a free speech employer who wants to hire employees who focus on their work and not on identity politics, then post a job on redballoon.work if you are an employee who's being censored at work or is being forced to comply with the current zeitgeist. Post your resume on redballoon.work and look for a new job. Amen. Redballoon.work for slash FLF is even better because then they know we sent you. Yeah, tell them. It's the job site where free speech is still alive. Redballoon.work forward slash FLF. I just feel a little dumb reading that ad. Okay. (laughs) Just a little. Because it's like stating things that were so basic and so, uh, you know, taken for granted. Do we take take those things for granted? Where gravity still exists. Yeah. There we go, red balloon. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of gravity still existing, I think, hey, we're really grateful to have with us on the show today Mr. Blaine Kanzati. He serves as president of Idaho Family Policy Center. Yes, sir. Can you say that, Knox? Idaho Family Policy Center. Idaho Family Policy Center. Good job. PC. Good. He's leading the charge in Idaho by writing legislation to work for the end of abortion, protecting women in sports and bathrooms. Again, the grass is green and the sky is blue and <laughs> yeah, gravity exists. Real, this is a woman. And uh, <laughs> reestablished biblical justice in the public square in in Idaho. Before joining Ooh. the Idaho Family Policy Center, Blaine previously worked for the Family Policy Institute of Washington. Yep. He also spent several years teaching humanities, theology, and apologetics courses at a classical Christian high school in Fairfax, Ooh. Virginia. He and his wife, Anna, uh, I think they have two kids. Is that right, Blaine? Yeah, and they baptize, right, Blaine? They baptize. They're baptized. Oh, praise Her Jesus. Name is good Puritans. Oh, <laughs> Blaine, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic. Hey, thanks guys for having me back. I appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I wanted to start off by just asking you about um, the particular goals you have. Idaho uh, legislative session just kicked off, um, and I and I know you're busy. And thanks for taking a few minutes of your day to talk to us. Um, what are what are the big things that Idaho Family Policy Center is working on this session in the Idaho legislature? Yeah, like most states, Idaho has a part-time state legislature, and we kicked off, man, two weeks ago now, okay. um, just after the new year, and we'll go probably through March. So it's it's a race. It's a it's a it's a quick race for sure. But um, we have three big priorities for this legislative session. None of these bills have been introduced yet, so I'm going to have to be a bit uh, secretive with exactly some of the details. But um, all three of them are really exciting. The first is uh, we are going to amend our female genital mutilation statute that was passed by the state legislature unanimously back in 2018 um, to include a prohibition on sex reassignment surgeries, puberty blockers, and cross-sex hormones for minor children. So most people don't know that um, you know, minor children can go to their local Planned Parenthood, start getting cross-sex hormones, get puberty blockers. These things what? cause you you know, irreversible up. sterility. Um, depending on the age that you go on them, your sexual functions may never develop. And then Planned Parenthood will ship you off down a pipeline to surgeries where you'll have, you know, girls will have double mastectomies and uh, hysterectomies at 14 years old, 15 years old, uh, boys will be literally castrated at, you know, 14 years old. Um, and so this is a big, big problem, especially since it's become a really popular thing. We're seeing a social contagion of kids dealing with gender dysphoria and what psychologists and psychiatrists are now calling rapid onset gender dysphoria, where a kid has a friend group who, uh, you know, maybe Five, five friends, right, all come out as transgender at the same time, and the school counselor and maybe liberal parents and the doctor all say, man, we have to affirm their declaration that they're now of the other gender. We're going to push them down this route of gender-affirming care. And Planned Parenthood, by the way, is the second largest provider of gender-affirming care. Sure. In the of country. course. Of course. Did you, say of it, course. did you say in the state or just in the country? In the country. Um, and in the state of Idaho, I would assume they are number one. Yeah. They got to be the dumbest institution ever created from sinful. Uh, no, man, they're smart. That's the thing. So, no, no, you know, no. They can't abortion, be smart. 
<laughs> abortion is no longer the cash cow that it, that it uh, used to be for Planned Parenthood. So they've been diversifying their business portfolio and uh, Chop, chopping up body parts, though. But, but Blaine, they're not yeah. helping themselves if they're going to remove the ovaries <laughs> and the uterus from women. I, I just, I mean, first of all, they're killing. Don't off, tell them that. They, no. I'm sorry. They just kill off their clientele. It's just the dumbest institution I can think of. It's like, hey, let's kill people so we won't have any more people to kill. It's just, it's just it's a perfect example of what happens when sinful man becomes consistent with his worldview. They, they, they kill themselves mad. off at the end of the day, which is, man, that's crazy. Here's the thing, Knox. So, you know, a kid who starts hormone therapy at 13 years old, 14 years old, will have to be on hormones for the rest of their life. Oh. Regardless of whether they keep identifying as the other sex or whether they medically detransition back to their biological sex, their hormones, their body, it's just wrecked. Right. And they're going to need lifelong medical care. And guess where they're going to keep getting that from? Right. Planned Parenthood. Wow. So uh, that's a a big priority for us this year is to take care of that issue. And we think there's this big connection between female genital mutilation, right, that all the Democrats in the state voted to ban just a few years ago and chemically or chemically and surgically castrating boys. Right. Or or removing entire reproductive organs. Those two things are you know, if, if you if you say FGM is barbaric, let's say that actually removing those body parts, that's just as barbaric as well. Right. Absolutely. You know, just 20 years ago, um, I went to University of Idaho and uh, I remember I was in my degree was in communications, but it's basically a degree in liberalism and feminism. And uh, my teacher showed there's this documentary on um, women's circumcision, uh, basically gender, uh, you know, mutilation, mutilation. Right. And uh, just how the feminists were so against it. Right. And they showed this doc and just how horrible, you know, it wasn't too graphic, but it just like went through all these, you know, tribal native yeah. country in, in Africa and just like, this yeah. is horrible, this is horrible. They need education and all this stuff. And look at the feminists and, and Planned Parenthood and all this stuff now. It's right. like, yeah, this is good. So, Blaine, so this is one of three. What are the other two that you're looking at? Yeah. So um, we're also looking to take care of the school bathroom, school locker room, and school shower issue. So. Uh, the viewers might remember that back over the summer, the Biden administration reinterpreted Title IX and specifically this, the prohibition on sex discrimination in Title IX to also include a prohibition on discriminating against someone because of their sexual orientation Identification. or gender identity. Yeah. 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 Executive and order. And <laughs> it was yep. essentially an executive order and it forces schools that receive federal funds to allow you know, biological males and girls' bathrooms, locker and showers on overnight field trips. The boys have to be able to stay with the girls. And uh, we think that's a bridge too far. You know? <laughs> whenever <laughs> whenever uh, you take the federal money, whenever you take the cheese, you have to step into the trap. Yep. And that trap always includes bad regulations and you lose your state sovereignty. You lose yep. your ability to govern yep. your state education system. And so we think it's time for Idaho to tell the federal government to go pound sand. And it's time for Idaho to say, hey, you know what? We're not going to take this federal money anymore because we need to protect our girls. Come on now. So uh, that's that's one of our big priorities for this year. And then the last one is modifying the heartbeat law that we got passed last year to include a private enforcement mechanism like what Texas did. That's fun. You know, and in Texas, they've saved 19,000 babies in just the last few months. Mm. 19,000 babies. Um, we're, we're looking down the road and we know that the Dobbs cases will come out this summer, right? We don't know exactly how the future of pro-life legislation is going to look past that. But until then we can protect babies here in Idaho, significantly cut the abortion rate by allowing women and their families to sue the doctors. We're going to, we're going to increase the statutory damages. Texas, you could sue the doctor for $10,000. We're going to allow the people to sue doctors for $20,000 to try to encourage more lawsuits to be filed <laughs> to shut down these abortion clinics and make abortionists think, you know, twice before they murder babies. Incentives. So, so I like I like all three of these. I like where they're going. I know this isn't the end. I know that you guys are, are moving somewhere, but here's the question I have. We are mostly a Republican setup here in Idaho. What's the likelihood of any one of these actually getting ground on the floor? <laughs> Well, you know what? We'll see. Um, we haven't introduced any of the bills yet. You know, all three are, are big lists, and there's a significant portion of the Republican Party that's controlled by the Chamber of Commerce, 
controlled by business interests and yep. they don't want to touch these social issues. Yep. They just want to keep, you know, incrementally reducing taxes and reducing government regulations so that businesses can thrive. That's great, but we need to build our system of law upon biblical morality. We need to promote justice, promote the common good, promote biblical values. And, you know, we're not going to get there immediately, but as much as we can, right, aggressively push toward that goal. We'll see how the state legislature and how our governor responds to these bills. But Blaine, what, you know, um, we're, we're hopeful for all three. Um, I'm I'm really appreciative of these things, and and full disclosure, I'm actually on the board with, ah, of, 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 uh, of uh, Idaho Family Policy <laughs> That's Center. That's how Blaine's here again. So. Yeah, Blaine, Blaine's, he's acting right too. He's like my boss is in the room. <laughs> yeah. um, but I wanted to ask you about um, what about all the COVID lockdown emergency order yeah. stuff? Yeah, yes. Blaine. Yes. Um, what about them orders? Are, are we going to do what Boris Johnson just did? <laughs> and end it all. Yeah. We I know I know like we had the longest session in the history of Idaho last year. Um, basically, um, fighting over what happened with Brad Little shutting us down and and all the rest of it. Um, have any of those loopholes been um closed off? I know there was a special session, and I think it was in November. Um, it, it, what's the status of that? And are we any safer in Idaho, or will we be after this term? Uh, from um petty tyrants um shutting us down. Yeah. Um. <sighs> Man, that's a tough question. So, no. so the legislature tried to address this issue last year, yeah, and they did so partially. They they gave themselves some oversight powers over governors to keep extending emergency powers. Um, but so far, the legislature hasn't exercised those oversight powers and hasn't stopped the emergency. We still have an ongoing emergency in the state. Um, the reason is that we can keep getting that federal money. And... You know, I unfortunately, I think that ship has sailed and the appetite for reforming executive powers in Idaho among the state legislature is almost nil. Um, And then we have a special session where the vaccine mandates, you know, became a big issue. And so far, we haven't seen any bills in the last couple of weeks introduced on that topic. Mm. Uh, That ship might have sailed as well. So, um, you know, it's tough. Idaho's a 70-30 state, 70% Republican, and we can't. We can't rein in executive powers in a, in a really significant way. We can't protect, you know, bodily autonomy and God-given rights um, when it comes to experimental vaccines. Man. Um, you know, we have a lot of reforming to do on the state for sure. I've just come to the conclusion that Democrats are liars. They lie about everything, Russia, whatever. And Republicans are cowards. Mm. It's like, that's where we're at. Like, it's a good generalization, I think. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> Is you that say- true, Pastor Hurt? I think it is. Oh, there you go. The hey, that's two for two the, the this show. That's, that's two for two. <laughs> the CRC Pope is, you know, Blaine, here's a question. You said we're 70-30, so that's like 70% Republicans, 30% Democrats, right? Yeah. And yet, it seems like there's there's two people in Idaho that are spending a lot of money as it comes to um, lobbying. lobbying and the part. Democrat Party is number two. Big Farmer is number one. That makes sense. They number one probably everywhere. But the Democrats, why would they spend money in a place like Idaho where they have no advantage? And they're spending big money. They're outspending the Republicans two time two to one Oof. on this. Why are they here spending money on a seventy thirty split? Yeah, you know what it is, Knox. I've heard Toby say this. Uh, even if the Christians aren't post mill, <laughs> the liberals are, and Ooh, they understand uh-huh. mistakes. Uh-huh. And they're willing to put their money where their mouth and where their hearts are. Yeah. Um, and Republicans in the state of Idaho aren't. And yeah. so what the what the Democrats and their you know lobbying groups do in states like Idaho, and it's really smart. They put tons of money into the more moderate Republicans right. to keep moderate Republicans in office, so that the true conservatives can't get their way in. Um, and they also spend tons of money on you know lobbying pr campaigns marketing etc shaping public perception Mm. right there really aren't idaho's a conservative state there really aren't many conservative political groups in idaho we're the only conservative christian group in idaho that's working on policy um so we are we are outnumbered we're outfunded we're uh you know it's 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 crazy that even in a state like idaho the Democrats, man, they understand the stakes and they're willing to put their money where their mouth is. We need to be. So what do you you guys to be able to do this? How can we put our money where our mouth is? What would it look like to help you guys out? What website? Where could we go to to support you? Because 
I mean, we don't know it, man. The next five to ten years, Idaho could be a completely different place in the way this is going. Because you said something so important, Blaine. The way that liberals and Democrats will frame public perception will change culture. They tell a better story. And we are in a battle and a war for the story, the narrative. And so it makes – when you said that, man, it clicked for me. They're telling the story the way they want things to go. And we're just – Coasting around here like everything's okay and nothing's going to change. We got 70%. We got 70%. And Cowards. the next thing we look up, it's going to be all gone. Like you said, some of those ships are going to sail. So how do we put our money where our mouth is? Yeah, I'm always warning people. Colorado is a scary, scary uh, vision of what the future of Idaho and other red states look like maybe 15 or 20 years down the road. And most mm. conservative Christians start getting involved. Understanding the cultural mandate that the gospel is not just about salvation. The gospel is about transformation of everything. Jesus Christ is restoring all things to himself, reconciling all things, and everything's supposed to be sanctified unto him. Christians have to get that. They have to get involved. They have to start giving money to to Christian organizations that are promoting biblical values. Um, You can learn more about Idaho Family Policy Center at idahofamily.org idahofamily.org we're a 501c3 nonprofit christian ministry so gifts would be tax deductible and we'd certainly appreciate the help um and you know there are other organizations in other states where your viewers are um that are doing good work as well and you christians have to start getting involved they have to find those organizations in your state and support them did you hear that short homily that he just gave everybody right now owes him an offering (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> IdahoFamily.org to pay your offer for that short homily from Blaine Kanzati. Blaine, appreciate you, brother. Gr- hey, praying for you guys, guys man, this yeah. session. Keep us thank posted. We'd love to have you back. More cross politic coming up next. The State of the CRAC, State of the Union Address with Pastor Hurt. Can't wait to hear this. This is going to be so good. Next. I'm going to get my refill. <laughs> you just had that on the corner table the whole time. Oh, yeah. Everybody lubricates before the third <laughs> segment. All right, stretch it out. Toby just keeps the French press on the table during go. the show. Here we go. Especially <laughs> when the presiding minister of the CREC is in the house. Hey, this segment is brought to you by the Mission of Armored Republic. <laughs> That's a bad way to read that out. The Mission of Armored Republic is to honor Christ by equipping free men with tools of liberty necessary to preserve like God-given that. rights. Yeah. In the Armored Republic, there's no king but Christ. You better give me a shotgun. Hey, man. Where's my I, I, shotgun? <laughs> All right, there we go. Body armor <laughs> is a tool of liberty. We create tools of liberty. Free men must remain ever vigilant against tyranny wherever it appears. God has given us the tools of liberty needed to defend the rights he's bestowed on us. Armored Republic is honored to offer you those tools. So go visit them and support us when you do at AR500. That's the letters AR, the number 500, Armor. Dot com. Get one for each kid. You know, <laughs> body armor for every kid. All the kids. You guys, you guys t- take and put your body armor on just to Stocking put it on every night. Oh, it feels good. Just, I, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel, I feel manly I, putting that do on. Do it on though. Friday mornings before you record the well, show. Well, then I realized, you know, I never really want to use this stuff. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> this is a tool of liberty oh, yeah. that uh, oh, I want to have it. I no, never really want to use it. Never need to use yep, it. Yep. Hey, where we are very grateful to have Pastor Virgil Hurt in the studio with us. Yes. He's the founding pastor of Providence Church in Lynch. Virginia, where he has served for 21 years. Yeah. Is that accurate? Wow. He's served as the presiding minister of, uh, he, he served as the presiding minister of the council of the CREC, uh, the CREC, um, Community, Community Reform, Reform Evangelical, Evangelical Church. Our, our denomination that we're part of. Since 2017. He's married to Katie, his childhood sweetheart, has six grown children, eight grandchildren. Woo. And one time he was questioned by Moscow police for some brochures that might have been printed oh. at the Kinkos he was the manager of. Oh, oh, oh. oh really? I remember. <laughs> snuck we, that in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was just on the bio on your church website. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I didn't write that part. You got to have him explain himself. Well, I mean, I don't even remember all this story. This is the oh. Doug Jones flag. You were the ma- that, was, that was Doug Jones. You were the manager of Kinkos. 
That, in Moscow back in the day, right? Correct. That was the beginning of, you know, you really can't do satire. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> right. So Everyone took it too seriously. Yeah. He did, there was the, some kind of promotion about why women should be able to go topless or something. And, right. And he posted a bunch of well, well, there was a, on you. It was I, April but, Fool's. Well, there was also, a, there, and there was a topless, a real topless car wash going on yeah. right. in our town at the time. Yeah. Oh. So, so at the time, there was a loophole in the city code where so y'all didn't clean the place up a lot, then, huh? <laughs> so he posted these flyers that said all the speakers were going to speak topless, topless. at the University of Idaho. Yeah, totally which believable. Was, which was pretty funny, but yeah. everybody believed it because you can't do you know, satire. And then the police got involved. University of Idaho was very upset. Yeah. And, and all uh, these people is the talks were going to happen like Thursday night at seven p.m. or yeah. something like that. All these people and, start, all and, these and students had, started showing like, up, and he had put together like titles of the talks, yeah, like you know, burning your bras for Jesus or something. I don't know. <laughs> Wait a second, did you say the University of Idaho was upset? Yo, yes. yes. Because yeah, yeah. so the, the Doug Jones took their letterhead and their logo and put it on the flyer but, to make it look like an official university. No, no, you understand sanctioned but, event. But they were having topless women at the. Car wash in town. That was in town. That was in the city. It's it's okay for them to do it if they were doing it. But you can't say they were doing it if they weren't doing it. That's what made them mad. (laughs) Hey, hey, we did not lead this event. That makes sense. They were just upset they didn't think about it first. That that makes sense. Anyways, that that just. So the cops called you because you printed the flyers. Yeah, well, sort of. Are you he said he sent faxes from our store I, oh, uh, to, to University of Idaho, and they knew where the faxes came from. Yep. And then they wanted video of who did it. And all <laughs> so, but Doug Jones and I were shortly in Pastor Wilson's office saying, "Okay, what do we do?" I was, I was afraid I was going to lose my job. And, and now he's yeah. the presiding minister of go. the council. Uh, the, the communion of Reformed Evangelical Church. These are the kind of guys you want to preside <laughs> minister. Exactly. This is one of the top, top reasons why yes. we voted him in. And, we, and we're like, I don't know if we want him to leave. It was my campaign <laughs> promise. <laughs> I was questioned by Moscow PD. So as as the Pope of the CRC, do you like that Pope or do you like the letter of the word? No, I don't like Presiding that. minister. Preside, pope? Presiding minister. Okay, it's so. hard to say. Presiding minister. Or you can just of, call him the PM. That's kind of like the, okay, like the, okay. slang, the slang in the CRC. Yay. The PM. Yay. <laughs> so what is the state of the CRAC right now? Can you give us a State of the Union address with the CRAC? Yeah, I don't have anything particularly prepared along those lines, but I am very encouraged. I'm actually encouraged by the craziness and zaniness that's going on in the world. That's part of God's plan to transform the world for Christ. Uh, it, it's getting so crazy and so foolish that it's lift that it, up a little more, Gabe, and put yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that it's, uh, it's you know it's going to fall. Things are going to fall apart. And so, one so, of the, so you say it's, it's getting so zany and foolish that things will fall apart. Yeah, they're going to they're fall apart, and we're already seeing that. And when things start to fall apart, they look for people look for stability, and of course, uh, the only true stability is going to be found in Christ and yeah. His kingdom mm. and yeah. His people, and so. One of the things that we're seeing in the CREC, and I'm, I've been really encouraged by in the last couple of years, is we've really stuck to the basics, stuck to the things that we believe are true, which is that worship is a fundamental and central aspect of what it means to be a Christian. Yes, yep. and, it, and it orients and, and shapes yes. and forms your whole entire life, that that one day is a paradigm for every day and everyday Christian living. And we've always taught that. And now we had an opportunity to see if we actually really believed it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we do. Yeah. And so that's been encouraging. And then, you know, so you guys have experienced this here. And so we in Lynchburg, when people come, uh, sometimes people come to our church, they've got a mask on. You know, they're not one of our regular folk. And they come and they come in and everybody is completely normal. <laughs> and they burst into tears. We've had that happen several wow. times. And, you know, wow. off comes the mask. And, you know, they were, you know, somebody hugs them or shakes their hand. I mean, it's, yeah. it's humanity. And so we're seeing that within our denomination, yeah. you know, and it's, it's really beautiful to see. And our churches are growing more rapidly than they've ever grown uh, in the last two years. So that's, it's, it's neat to see that. And it's exciting. You know, you were talking about earlier just kind of the caliber of people that are starting to see, you're starting mm-hmm. to see in the CRC is, is broader than it was before, yeah. too. Would you just speak a little bit about that? Yes. You know, in, um, in the past, uh, because we're a Reformed denomination, we're pretty traditional worship, psalms and hymns and covenant renewal form of worship, that the people that have come our direction are already kind of going down that path. So they're learning about covenant theology they maybe started uh, came across douglas wilson started reading his books and and so they're going down that path by the time they come to us 
they're about 80 or 90% there already. Mm. And so, uh, and they're pretty educated Christians, if you will. They're serious Christians. But recently, in the last couple of years, we've seen a real influx of people who are coming from a world, that not that world at all. So they're coming directly to us, say, from a Baptist church or a modern evangelical church. And one of the things we're seeing, I heard these stories at council quite a bit uh, this last October, uh, conversion stories. So people coming to our churches yeah. who, are, who are not Christians, who are being pretty dramatically converted. And that is, that's something that's new for us. Maybe it's new within the whole world of Presbyterianism. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think most right of our people that. come to us from other churches. That's generally what happens. Yeah. You know, they're looking for something deeper, something more meaningful, better right. teaching, better theology, better systematics, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we're seeing a, a new kind of person come to us, and it, it, it's really exciting to see that. And uh, I was just talking to Pastor Wilson the other day. We... When I was here, I used to live here in the 90s before I went off to plant our church, and we met every Friday for the prayer meeting of Reformation and Revival. It's still going on. That's probably been going on for 40 years now. And we believe that the time that Reformation comes first, you pray for Reformation, which we understood to be you know, reading the Bible, transforming your life according to scriptures, yeah. have, having a solid church. Christians solid getting right with Jesus. Yeah, ba- yeah. basic Christian kind of discipleship yeah. and, and going back to the things that we had lost. So that was Reformation. But revival was when God begins to move in that Reformation, change people's hearts, sovereignly draw them to himself and transform them by the, by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and that it, we're seeing that. So after, you know, 40 years or whatever it is now yeah. for Pastor Wilson's ministry, 20 years of mine and, you know, 20 some odd years of the CREC, we're beginning to see God do something in our midst that, that, that hasn't happened before. And it seems to be on the cusp, the beginnings of something that I would call revival, which is really exciting. Uh, wow. uh, last October, um, you invited us to Presbytery, which was really nice. It was great. Great. This is my first time ever ever to go. We don't know if you'll ever invite us back. We, we but, don't. Oh, we, we don't. Will. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, one thing I was encouraged with was just how unified all the pastors and the leadership was. I've known some squabbles that's been happening over the last 10, 15 years in the denomination, um, which is typical of any denomination, actually. But um, it just the, the unity felt more more than it had been in the past and actually very yeah. palpable, too. It was, like, it was really that, encouraging. That's what we call the gift of COVID. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. And, and I, I, it's been a tremendous blessing, and God is using it uh, for good. Yeah, it's been true in our church. It's been true in our denomination. It reprioritizes things. What, mm. Explain what you mean by the gift of COVID. Like what happened with COVID that kind of well, I think uh, created you know, this. Lots of things. You know, sort of the shutdowns, the vaccine mandates, uh-huh. uh, mask mandates, uh, the the opposition from. Kind of the elites and the powers, if you will, political powers uh-huh. and corporate powers, and uh, the uh, even the censorship, those kind of things. And then we see, you know, fundamentally, we're Christians. We're to worship God and we're to be together. We need to be together. And so the other our, our secondary squabbles, which we should have. That's part yeah, of yeah, being yeah, godly, godly Christian men. We should debate striving. Things and we yep. should hold each other accountable. Yep. All that kind of thing. But the the priority became clear to us, you know, and, you know, we're all on the same team and the fight is about the gospel and the Christian community and the kingdom of God and the growth of it, which we're all, because, you know, most of us are very strongly post-millennial in our eschatology. We have a very positive view about the future. Right. And now in the midst of this, you know, this made up crisis that becomes a real crisis, our brother in Canada, you know, they're getting arrested around these laws, you know, it's real, but we're in it together and it's, it's, it's a, been a tremendous boon to us, uh, you know, in numbers, like in, a, in the growth of our churches, but also I think in spiritual growth. I mean, the people, our people are not afraid. And when you come to our churches and you see a bunch of people in a time when everyone's telling you should be afraid and our people are not afraid, right. that is, you know, uh, fear is contagious, but so is courage. Amen. Yeah, you know, and amen. one of the things that we people see in our church is courage and it's catching and they love it. Mm. One of the other things that Pastor Wilson's put it this way a few times, but I think one of the things that we share in common um, deeply throughout the CREC is an understanding of um, a sphere sovereignty, and the, the right. governments that God has established. And um, Pastor Wilson put it, you know, said that um, during the pandemic, um, sort of 
all the CREC pastors, um, inner reconstructionist has come out. Yeah. It's sort of how he's <laughs> like, you know, so, you know, Rush Juni, Rush Juni or, you know, uh, Bonson or these people were some of the people that in the, you know, seventies and eighties were the ones teaching the most on sphere sovereignty that God has established these governments in the world. There is a civil government and it has a job. There's a family government, there's a church government and they have, you know, a little bit of overlapping in their circles, but mostly they have distinct jobs. Right. And that, that is a proclamation of the Lordship of Jesus. Right. And I think, you know, as you've had this massive, Massive statist overreach. We're gonna. You have right. to have the jab. You have to wear masks. You have to do this in your church services. Right. Um, as soon as it's clear, this is there is no immediate life threatening situation here. You have no business here. Right. In the name of Jesus. And you know, in the past, would there wasn't challenged very much in our right. midst. We we sometimes had to think about the family and the church. Yeah. Okay. So how do you do that? You know, where's the authority and, right. and, yeah. and where's yeah. the, when does the church's authority, in, you know, go into the family and when is it not, you know, so right. we, but we didn't ever really have to think about it much with the civil magistrate. Right. And these last couple of years, we've really had to think about it, you right. know, Romans yeah. 13 and do we have to obey them or do we not? What, what is their jurisdiction? Yeah. And that's been a healthy thing for the church. Yeah. You, you know, go ahead, go ahead Gabe. Okay. Because I've been cutting you off. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, yeah. it's your turn. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's your I, was, turn. I was hoping yeah, you were going to apologize you, to me after the show. I'll give you some of my black privilege. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been a. Uh, uh, I know a lot of the pastors up in Canada who are, who have been fighting and, and getting arrested and all that stuff. They call them Billies up there. Oh, really? Let's go, Billy. Oh, yeah. They're the fighting pastors. Those are the pastors that are actually fighting. Yeah. Like, like Billy Goats? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Not Billy Goats, but anyways. Um, and, uh, That's what I thought. I've been, <laughs> there was a long story short, uh, the Gospel Coalition, or Together for the Gospel, whichever one, they're both the same to me, uh, has a presence up in Canada, and they wrote a blog post saying, hey, the Billy's, he called him, they called him Billy, you know, Pastor Billy, he's fighting Canada too much, he needs to chill out oh, yeah. kind of thing. And yeah, America, yeah. and particularly they were kind of taking shots at America for kind of getting into their space. Encouraging them to fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so Shut now, up. yeah, yeah it, 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 it's stupid. But they printed up a Billy shirt and sent it to me and you guys. We got a Billy oh. shirt. It's really cool. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, but all these, all the churches up in Canada that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm friends with, um, you know, they either left their denomination, got kicked out of their denomination, or the denomination's been um, pretty awful. Right. during this whole right. problem that Canada is going through. And so I talked to one of the pastors on Thursday. I was like, man, I think you guys should really consider joining our denomination. Yeah. And the reason w- why I thought of this was because, for one, our denomination is the only denomination that I'm aware of. I think there might be some others out there where we both allow 1689 in Westminster. We both allow infant baptism and credo baptism in our denomination. Right. And, and we don't we don't separate over that. Um, and so all those pastors up in Canada, they're Baptists and Presbyterians. So right. they could actually come into our... Like the Liberty Coalition guys are, are a mix of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so they could actually come into our denomination and fellowship. The, yeah. other, the other reason why I thought they should come into our denomination is because we're, even though we're an international denomination, we're, we're obviously perceived as an American denomination because that's where most of the churches are at. American-based. And if you know James Coates gets arrested or something like that and they got American denomination coming in saying, hey, this is religious persecution Canada, stop it. Yeah. yeah. That could have some real weight and, and authority into it. Yeah. Um, you know, what do you think are kind of like the good kind of churches that really fit? Not every church fits with the CREC, but what do you kind of think is a good kind of makeup for uh, being in the CREC? Yeah, well, I, I think, I, I don't know. It, it's similar to what's happening in our church. In the past, we thought we knew what the MO was for that person. Yeah. But I don't think we know now. And, and <laughs> just like within our, in our church, um, it's never been our desire to steal people from another church. Right. Yeah. But yeah. if your pastor's not teaching you and being faithful and you're not getting the whole counsel of God and you Get want out. to come to my church, then come yeah. on over. Yeah. And now if your church is not meeting and your church is making you wear masks and certainly if your church is requiring you to take a vaccine or something like that, then come over here. Right. Now, the same thing is true denominationally. So that's one of the things that we're hearing right now. I'm getting lots of requests from all sorts of people. A lot of them, you know, it's a little easier if they're already just independent, say independent Baptist church or something. Sure. A lot of the Presbyterian churches are not independent but there are some that are and so i say come our way you know we're not woke we're not getting woke we believe in all of the scriptures we preach and teach faithfully we teach strongly on marriage and family and raising kids and christian education and and we're solid on all these things and we're solid pretty much across the board not every you know not every crec church is the same or you know the same great level of church or whatever you know we have we have a good solid group of churches but I am encouraging, you know, if your 
church is wavering, if your denomination is wavering, and you need stability, and you need people to encourage you to be courageous and bold and stand up for God, no matter what the consequences are, yeah. we're a good place to go. Yeah, I, really, God. I really liked um, how you organized the council in October with those um, talks. You, yeah. you yeah. Inter- it was like yeah. a sort of mini-conference kind of mixed into all the business. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and the it was all on fighting the good fight was the right. theme of the of the council so this, this year and you had was it six or seven um, different eight, men eight, eight, or eight, eight men talks, yeah. pastors um, throughout the domination just giving you know sort of 15 20 minute charges right. on different aspects of the fight uh, of yeah. the good fight. Um, I, I just that was a wonderful um, way of organizing it. It was it was just sort of edifying, encouraging, but I think that very point you're making in terms right. of I mean you you couldn't go to that council and come away wondering if uh, the, the pastors in the denomination were teetering on the edge of going woke or right. uh, or going soft on uh, male female or marriage or child rearing yeah, or that's right. or, um, or the work of the gospel in just, the world yes yeah. that's right yeah. you know, even that you know you you bring that up and you know in our denomination because we're a lot of our churches are fairly liturgical and we have some guys who wear robes and some guys who wear collars and some guys who preach in jackets and ties and they and, shouldn't and and, and, <laughs> and, and there, there's a range here but you saw that range at council, they yep. did, yeah. and so yeah, did. it, it yeah. looks. The presentation looks a little different, but the message was the same message, yeah. and that's one of our real strengths. You know, we we have some diversity, but the diversity is around this. You know, real central, powerful themes of the right. gospel and the church, right. the power of the church. You know, here's an announcement. I guess I'm going to make. Please, oh, <laughs> I, I, I came here and I haven't quite. I haven't notified the other PMs or the the <laughs> denomination at large. So if they're they all watch the show, so we'll find out. This is just. Good. Well, anyway, I came, I came here, Moscow, Christ Church and Trinity here in Moscow, CRC Churches here, offered to host Council 2023. Uh, there was a little resistance to that just because of the, it's hard to get to Moscow, Idaho. It's a little challenging. It is. Uh, and, but it was hard to get to Monroe, too. You have sure to, was. You can't just do it in a hub city. You have to take yeah. the next flight. And we had some flight delays and problems there. Yep. And I came here to consider looking at venues and things, but I've decided we're doing it here. So hey. we, we are doing the council. <laughs> you there, there's the scoop, and <laughs> and it's going to be great. And you know, between Christ Church and Trinity and the delegates, we're going to have about three thousand CREC people here. And I, wow. we're we're trying to do wow. a venue where we can do a worship service with that with the whole entire group, oh, wow. which would just be really awesome. You guys gonna have a, someone filming it there and put it up on on Cross Politics. So that would be twenty twenty three fall. We don't have dates yet. That's council. That's where that everybody, council. all the churches, all the denominations across the the world, the world. all, the all of our Presbyterians will yeah, be yeah. here. Everybody yeah. will be here, yeah. and, uh, and 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 you know, presumably the yeah. denomination will be a little bit bigger. A couple of years. It's yeah. a great great way. If you're still on the fence, then why would you still be on the fence in twenty twenty? But it would be a great way to meet us. Yeah, come, yeah, come yeah. And, and if even if you're, yeah, if you're, if you're a pastor or an elder, yeah, and, or and, and church and leader, a lot of these people, their contacts that you guys have through Cross Politic or people that yeah. follow Douglas Wilson and whatnot. But if you want to come and see Moscow and meet these guys yeah. and be here, that would be a good time to come and, and also check out our denomination and come to a Presbyterian meetings, come to council meetings. <laughs> well, I got yeah. a couple. I got a couple church leaders uh, coming to our uh, spring Presbytery uh, yeah. and everything. That is so. going to be. We are going to have a blast. Yeah. Yeah. we are going to have be a big. blast. So I. Before we go, if you're a pastor and you're thinking about right now, I see I know a lot of people in the SB, SBC right. that are considering like, what do I do? Um, they don't want to leave. They don't feel like they can yeah. stay and put their money into institutions that are failing them. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the website that they can go to to understand more about the CRC, how it operates? What do they do? You know what? I don't know what our actual letters are. We can look it's it up. It's CRECchurches.org. CRECchurches.org. CRECchurches. Is it org? I believe it's org. If yeah. you Google CREC, it, yeah. it'll come up. Yeah. It, it yeah. comes up. The first know, one will be Capital Religion Education Council. Yeah. Then it's, you scroll down it's and it's. CRECchurches.org. CRECchurches.org. Uh, and Knox, one of the things that I, I, partly because of you guys, you guys have a fairly large following of Reformed Baptist. Folk. Yeah, and because of that, they're getting more pulled into reform thinking and, and covenantal thinking. Now, that's encouraging, and I get emails fairly regularly from people saying, "I'm in the Southern Baptist Convention, or maybe we're Independent Reformed Baptist Church. Right? How do we fit? Can we fit in the CRC?" And I'm I'm telling them all, "Yes, come. They can come in under the London Baptist. Yep. Uh-huh. They they don't they they and, and you know." Affiliate with us if you like us and hang out with us. You're going to change some. But even people that come to our church locally, they don't have to become a Pado Baptist. They right. don't have yeah. to become Pado Communion to join our church. They can come there and fellowship with us and right. be members of our church. Yep. Now, over time, they start hearing things they don't even know about and haven't heard about it. And here, our 
understanding of the, those things, our biblical arguments, maybe we convince some of them. But we're one of those few denominations where even if you don't, you still we, we love family. you. We're yeah. here. We're, we're going to fight that good fight together. We're, we're right. believing the gospel. We're, we're covenantal. A lot of these guys are becoming, you know, the Reformed Baptist guys are becoming more post-millennial. That's part of the attraction. Yeah. 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 And so right. that's really strong within our denomination. Yep. And you know, come, yeah, come, come and join us. Mm. Come and fight the fight. Very good. Mm, CREchurches.org. CRECchurches.org. Mm. Pastor, thank you for joining us. Yeah, appreciate, for being here. appreciate it. Coming back. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Crust Politic. American colleges have become more hostile to the faith of young Christians than the beaches of Normandy were to the Allies. Literally. Undergraduate training wasn't always a death trap of unbelief. Once, colleges were boot camps for body, mind, and soul. Now, most college students spend their days in tax-funded adult daycares with all the intellectual rigor of lazy rivers, safe spaces, and complimentary condoms. And in our recent COVID faux-pocalypse, those daycares became prisons almost overnight. Cover your face, line up for your shot, stay in your room, but don't worry, the condoms were still complimentary. At New St. Andrews, you are not on vacation, you are not in daycare, and you won't be herded into a dorm. From week one, you'll be treated like an adult. You're responsible for paying your own rent and developing your own grocery budget. Or going hungry. Get a shot. Or don't. Mask up. Or don't. Most of our students even work part-time jobs on top of the 40-hour class workload. It's part of the anti-fragile hustle and grind that distinguishes our graduates from the majority of their own generation, and that employers and graduate schools love. Most college graduates in the U.S. are stuck paying off loans for years. New St. Andrews sets you up to graduate debt-free and dangerous, ready to pursue grad school, a family, or business opportunities in the real world without any reliance on pork subsidies from Mother America and with no weepy need for safe spaces. The real world isn't a cushy place. No one owes you success. You are entitled to exactly jack squat in this life. But rich or poor, unlike your face or your freedom, your job or your business, an education and the ability to think clearly can never be taken from you as long as you are still above ground. Not by petty tyrants or cowardly clergy, not by thoughtless mobs or lab coat megalomaniacs. At New St. Andrews College, you'll learn from teachers whose ideas equipped men and women to build Western civilization in the first place, and which will be used again to defend and rebuild what has been lost as the West has faltered into decay, losing her faith and her mind. Yes, most of our best teachers are dead, but our classical Christian liberal arts education is how we've been graduating thoughtful, articulate outlaws and leaders with spines for the last quarter century. The intellectual and theological bedrock beneath the Judeo-Christian West is what you'll study, engage with, write about and own. It is what you'll debate in class and present in public as you learn to live like forbidden fire, surrounded by the darkness of unbelief, manifesting God's truth, goodness and beauty to all who live around you. Training like this can't happen over Zoom. At New St. Andrews, we believe whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of real or virtual fools will suffer harm. Your peers shouldn't be your spiritual leaders. You should have a real flesh and blood in-person church for that. NSA is in the heart of downtown Moscow, Idaho, where you will witness men and women building Christendom on every corner. Where else are you going to be able to break bread in your professors' homes, debate great literature with them while their kids are playing, sing psalms while being arrested with them, catch turtles with them? No one comes to NSA to get lost in the crowd. You might be able to hide in a graduating class of thousands, but our classes are better measured in dozens. You will grow in this program or you will tap out. And when you finish, you'll be ready for life in whatever moments and scenes and struggles God may have prepared for you. We are training students who worship and march and study and fellowship and sing and write and start businesses and raise kids that no one can mask, cancel, or bury. We follow the King of Kings who knew the way through the mob and out of the grave. We fight to rebuild Christendom in the ruins, in our families, and in our businesses, in the cities where we live, in the countries where we go, in the congregations where we worship. Your mom may worry that Moscow, Idaho is many miles from home. She should worry more about how spiritually distant even a nearby godless campus is. After four years in a Christian community like ours, you will grow much closer to your family. 
Don't stay distant. Click the link today to schedule a visit to New St. Andrews College.